Hello once again, this is Dwayne McCrary, the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible. Today I'm joined by Mike Livingston, who's one of the content editors for Adult Explore the Bible. Mike, thanks for being with us today. It's my pleasure, thank you. Uh, today we're looking at session 13. We're going to be studying Romans 14, 1 through 12. The main theme here is that we need to consider others uh, who are in need of encouragement. The passage is broken down into these three uh, big key points. Number one is stop judging, which is verses 4, 1 through 4. Verses 5 through 8 is honor God. And verses 9 through 12 is remove obstacles. Let me just kind of walk through some of the ideas there. In that first section, 1 through 4, Paul directs Christians to refrain from being judgmental towards other believers. He describes believers as servants of God who are accountable to him and him alone. In the second uh, passage break, verses 5 through 8, Paul appeals to his readers to focus on how they can honor God in their lives. His appeal was based on the principle of ownership, realizing that all believers belong to God. And that's verses 5 through 8. Verses 9 through 12, he's then talking about removing obstacles. Paul exhorted his readers to be understanding of each other's convictions, not wanting to be a stumbling block within the church. He affirms the freedom of believers that we have in honoring God in what we eat and what we avoid to eat, and that we are to live knowing that we will be held accountable for our actions. So that's a quick overview of the lesson for this week. Mike, let's deal with this first question here. Why is living in unity with other believers, believers so important? Well, because God wants us to get along. I mean, that's, that's the, the first, the most important reason. God wants Just like that. we do our kids. We want our kids to get along with yeah, each other. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. that. This is God's will for us. And, you know, Jesus made it clear when he said, by this all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And, and you know, take a look at, at how Jesus prayed for us in John 17. He prayed, may they all be one. Uh, and and he repeated that several times. Compared us to the Trinity, one. just as yeah. the Father and the Spirit I, yeah. and the Son. Are. I, I've given them the glory you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you're in me, so that they may be made completely one, and the world may, will know that you've sent me. Uh, so God wants it. Jesus prayed for it. And, and so much of what Paul wrote to the churches in, in his letters re relates to this matter of unity, just so much of, of, of what the New Testament says. Is, is about this. To, to the Corinthians, you know, think about uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10, where he says, agree in what you say that, so that there be no divisions among you and that you'll be unified with the, or united with the same understanding and same conviction. Uh, to the Ephesians, he said in 4.3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. To the, to the Philippians, in Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but consider others more important than yourselves. And then to the Romans here, uh, Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 15, 5, and 6, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another. So, so if you believe the Bible, and, and there are other passages too, but if you believe the Bible, you, you have to know that you have a responsibility as a church member to be uh, a, a unifying force in your church and never a divisive force. Now, there will be differences of opinions on different things. Are there some healthy ways that we can deal with those differences of opinion? You know, there was an English Puritan preacher in the 1600s named Richard Baxter, and he was fond of saying, in necessary things, unity, in doubtful things, liberty, in all things, charity. Um, so there, what he's saying is there are some necessary things that we need to agree on, for sure. There, there are some... 
there are some non-negotiables of the Christian faith. If you want to know what some of those are, you know, just look at uh, look at Galatians one, for example. That Paul's response when the Galatian church was in danger of moving away, away from the basic truths of the gospel. So those basic truths of the gospel, that's that's non-negotiable. You know, that's the ne- that's a necessary thing. But there are other matters. Baxter called them the doubtful things, um, the things that we don't have to agree on. So outside of those non-negotiable matters of the gospel, it's okay if we don't agree on on everything. You just think about, you know, what are are some examples of that? You know, maybe millennial views. Uh, You know, we can accept as a brother someone who holds a different millennial view than, than, than we accept. How often we observe the Lord's Supper? Yeah, th- these are things. These are not essential things that we all have to to agree 100% on. Uh, there's a um, James Sullivan was once the the president of the back then Sunday School Board, now Lifeway, back in the 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. and to the 70s, and he said uh, once, "You don't have to be my twin to be my brother," and that's that's what he's saying here. We can be brothers and sisters and not. Agree on everything. We can have a difference of opinion. We can have different convictions about an endless number of, of issues. Uh, there's a difference between uniformity and unity. You know, uniformity, everyone looks the same, acts the same, thinks the same, talks the same. Unity is where there's an intentional willingness that we're going to cooperate and love each other despite our differences. So when you look at our passage here in Romans 12, you know, the issue then was dietary laws, observing special days. And those, were that, those things were, you know, that was a big deal to Jewish believers, not so much to Gentile believers. So how, how are they supposed to get along? So Paul gave some practical do's and don'ts. You know, how do we, how do we get along with people that we, we don't necessarily agree with? Uh, and so you just look at the passage in Romans 12, and you can just... It's 14, isn't 14, it? 14, yeah, 14, sorry. It's okay. Um, you, so you can look at just that passage and, and just find, you know, just um, several do's and don'ts. Don't argue over disputed matters. You know, stop arguing over things that, from a heavenly perspective, don't really matter. Uh, do accept those who disagree with you. The, the, the problem in the Roman church was not, uh, not so much food preferences and, and days, you know, special days, but the problem was more attitudes toward those who held different opinions about those things. So accept those who disagree with you. In verse 3, don't look down on those who hold different opinions and non-essentials. Don't judge them. In verse 6, do examine your own motives and your attitudes because your responsibility is to honor God and make the glory of God the main thing. In verse 12, do remember that you're going to give an account of yourself to God, that you're going to answer to God for you and not someone else. Uh, There's a a quote in the Personal Study Guide that I really like. It says, we need to focus on being transformed into his likeness and spend less time trying to mold everyone else into our likeness. That's a a compelling, compelling quote. Uh, What are some ways we could use that quote in our group time? Oh, yeah. You know, I I think... uh, what kind of response do you think we'll get in our group time with that? <laughs> uh, maybe some blank stares. I don't, I don't know. Here's what I would say, you know, that, that I plan to say in, in, in my group. You know, if I could just boil this passage down to one thing, it's, it's, it's not all about you. And it's not all about me. All right? So let's not make it all. Don't make it all about you, and I'm not going to make it all about me. 
you know, the church isn't about my preferences. It's not about my desires. The church doesn't exist to make me happy. It doesn't exist to make you happy. The church exists to glorify God. And, and that means that sometimes we have to sacrifice our own preferences to keep unity in the church. Um, if, if you've not read Tom Rainer's I Am a Church Member book, that's, that's worth taking a look at. Uh, it, it does relate to this, this session in Romans 14. Uh, it's just a little book, and there's six pledges in the book. And uh, pledge number two is, I will seek to be a source of unity in my church. And pledge three is, I will, I will not let my church be about my preferences and desires. One thing that might help folks think through the principles is the Bible skill that's in both the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, and the leader guide. It tells us to go and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13, and then 1 Corinthians 10, 25 through 33, and compare that to Romans 14, looking for how the problems are similar, how they're different, um, insights about uh, how these things apply, uh, how the, the issue in Corinth, both of those two issues, apply to the situation in Rome. And by doing that, then we can extrapolate uh, come to some ideas of some uh, some different principles uh, because then we're just not, not looking at just one passage and one thing. We're looking at multiple passages, all three of which were written by Paul. In the end run, we're going to discover that what we're being directed to do is love people and honor God and just do those two things and ask those questions. Am I loving people? Am I honoring God in what I'm doing and how I'm doing it? Uh, Mike, let me ask one more question here. What are some practical ways of living out this passage? Oh, you know, here, here's, here, here's, here's something that, uh, an illustration that I've used in a number, a number of situations and circumstances. And it comes from um, A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. Uh, it's, more, it's more just an illustration, I think, that gives us an idea of how, how to live this out. But in, in The Pursuit of God, Tozer wrote, has it ever occurred to you, he asked the question, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same tuning fork, are automatically tuned to each other? When you think about that, if you had 100 pianos tuned to the same tuning fork, they're, they're in tune with each other, not because one was tuned to another. You're not tuning one piano to another piano but they're all tuned to something outside of themselves. They're all tuned to the same tuning fork, and because they're all tuned to the same fork, tuning fork, then they're, of course, tuned to each other. And so, of course, the application, the meaning of that is Jesus is our tuning fork in the church. So if you've got 100 members in your church or 1,000 members or 10,000 members, each one, when, when each one keeps his or her eyes fixed on Jesus. When, when, when he's when, the standard. When he's the standard, when, when his glory and his honor and his purpose becomes ours, you know, our purpose, uh, we're going to experience unity with one another. And, and we're going to have a greater unity by just keeping our eyes fixed on him than if our focus is, or how, you know, our focus is how are we going to create unity? Well, unity is going to be created if we just keep our focus on him. Mike, that's a good word. Thank you for sharing that with us and reminding us of those truths. Next week, we'll be looking at session 14. We'll be wrapping up our study of the book of Romans. 
be looking at how believers can make every effort to share the gospel with everyone uh, during that study time. Thank you much, Mike. Thank you for joining us again. Thank you all for tuning in. We look forward to visiting with you again next week. Thank you.